0: well good morning good afternoon or good evening whatever time of day it is when you may tune in this is minister k mortimer with covenant truth ministries and welcome to you thank you for joining me again today i want us to continue today in our volume of the book series and we're going to look at lesson three of part two the torah part of our series and we are working through this as faithfully as we can And so today in lesson three of part two of our volume of the book series, I want us to look at the faithful son. We're going to see Jesus in the picture of the faithful son. Continuing forward, we see more developing portraits of Yeshua in the remaining chapters of Genesis in many ways. In these next two or three lessons, we will explore a few of those specifically and see types and pictures of Jesus through Jacob and his children's lives and experiences. Jacob, as we saw in the last lessons, returned from his time with Laban, encouraged by the Lord in the wrestling match that he had at Peniel, and now proceeds into Canaan, raising his family and settling there in his promised land. I want us to begin today by reading Genesis chapter 35 I'm going to read verses 9 through 15 and verses 22 through 26 Genesis 35 beginning in verse 9 then God appeared to Jacob again when he came from Padanaram and blessed him and God said to him your name is Jacob your name shall not be called Jacob anymore but Israel shall be your name so he called his name Israel Also God said to him, I am almighty God, be fruitful and multiply, a nation and a company of nations shall proceed from you, and kings shall come from your body. The land which I gave Abraham and Isaac I give to you, and to your descendants after you I give this land. Then God went up from him in the place where he talked with him. So Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he talked with him a pillar of stone and he poured a drink offering on it and he poured oil on it and Jacob called the name of the place where God spoke with him Bethel Bethel which means house of God verse 15 again and Jacob called the name of the place where God spoke with him Bethel then in verse 22 beginning at verse 22 through 26 it says this and it happened when Israel dwelt in that land, that Reuben went and lay with Bilhah his father's concubines, and Israel heard about it. Now the sons of Jacob were twelve. The sons of Leah were Reuben, Jacob's firstborn, and Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun. The sons of Rachel were Joseph and Benjamin. The sons of Bilhah, Rachel's maidservant, were Don and Naphtali. And the sons of Zilpah, Leah's maidservant were Gad and Asher. These were the sons of Jacob who were born to him in Padan Aram. So Jacob now is going home. In this journey from Padan Aram, he stops at this place that he names Bethel. God confirms to him there the covenant that he made with Abraham and Isaac that is now being confirmed and affirmed with Jacob. And God confirms the land that is promised to him. God encourages Jacob for the journey and confirms also his new name that he had given him. Rachel dies near Bethlehem on this journey back. Rachel is the mother of Joseph. Joseph's name means adding or add. And then in Benjamin's birth is when she dies. Near the tower of the flock, or what is known as Migdal Adar. Isaac dies also in the land. And then we come to this time and this account in Genesis chapter 37. And we're going to pick up the reading in Genesis 37. And we want to read verses 1 through 11. Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. This is the history of Jacob. Joseph being 17 years old was feeding the flock with his brothers and the lad was with the sons of bilha and the sons of zilpah his father's wives and joseph brought a bad report of them to his father now israel loved joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age also he made him a tunic of many colors but when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers They hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. So he said to them, Please hear this dream which I have dreamed. There we were, binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheaf arose, and also stood upright. And indeed your sheaves stood all around, and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brothers said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us, or shall you indeed have dominion over us?" So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed still another dream, and told it to his brothers, and said, Look, I have dreamed another dream, and this time the sun, the moon, and the eleven stars bowed down to me. So he told it to his father and his brothers. And his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in mind. So here we're introduced to Jacob and his sons. And we find out that they were shepherds. And four of them, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, got a bad report delivered to their father through Joseph. Those four sons were Dan, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. We just read that in Genesis chapter 35. So that's not setting Joseph in a good light with some of his brothers to begin with. Then we find out that Jacob loved Joseph more than the other brothers and gave him special favors. He got a special coat of diverse colors. He now has these dreams which we find out are actually dreams from the Lord, and they are prophetic. They are speaking of something that will come to pass at a later time. There are two dreams that he gets, but in essence, they are one, because they have both a very similar or the same basic message. In the first dream, he sees all these sheaves representing people. This is proven by both the boys and Jacob, understanding and recognizing that they represented people right away because they said, will we all bow down to you? Understanding that those sheaves represented them. And Jacob knew that as well. Note, the boys and Jacob understood the prophetic meaning of his dreams, but they would not accept them. I believe these dreams are also prophetic of Jesus because in Jesus' first coming, he was the Omer, the sheaf, the sheaf of the first fruits who would rise on first fruits morn and who would ascend. He said to Mary when she saw him in the garden, do not touch me. Do not cling to me for I've not yet ascended to my father in heaven later that same day he came to his disciples and he told them come and feel me they handled him they were able then to handle him what happened in between the sheaf of the first fruit had ascended and presented himself as the first fruit to god the father in heaven in the resurrection and the first feast of first fruits proven in john chapter 20 he was the omer offering The second dream included the sun, moon, the stars, the whole family of Israel worshiping him, including Jacob, his mother, his boys, representing all of the nation of Israel. Philippians 2.9 talks about how Jesus is exalted with the name that is above every other name. And going on in Philippians, it talks about how every knee will bow to him, every tongue will confess This is also clear for us in Revelation chapter 12. It's speaking of Jesus in his second coming as well, because in Revelation 12, we see the sun, moon, and stars representing the nation of Israel, who will accept him as their Messiah at the time of his second coming. So both of Joseph's dreams are about Jesus ultimately. It's interesting in verse 11 of Genesis 37. It says, and his brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in mind. It reminded me in Luke chapter 2, verse 19 and verse 51, where Mary kept and pondered things in her heart. Notice in verse 12 of Genesis 37, we didn't read this, but I'll continue with the, the account in giving you the main points. In verse 12, we see all of the brothers... His brothers went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. So all of the brothers go. And then Israel, or Jacob, said to Joseph, Are not your brothers feeding the flock in Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. So he said to him, Here I am. Hineni, Hineni, here I am. The father Jacob is going to send the willing son to his brothers. This is all prophetic. In this whole account and we see Jesus shining through here then he said to him please go and see if it is well with your brothers and well with the flocks and bring back word to me so he sent him out of the valley of Hebron and he went to Shechem and now a certain man found him and there he was wandering in the field and the man asked him saying what are you seeking so he said I'm seeking my brothers please tell me where they are feeding their flocks And the man said, They have departed from here, for I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them in Dothan. So the brothers went to Shechem, and then they left to go to Dothan. Now Shechem was about 40 miles north of Hebron, which is where Jacob was living at the time. And it was about 34 miles north of Jerusalem. Dothan was the home of Elisha, who would come later, and it was about 12 more miles north of Samaria. So they were some distance away. At Dothan, we see what happens to Joseph. Verse 18 and onward, now when they saw him, meaning Joseph, afar off, even before he came near them, they conspired against him to kill him. Then they said to one another, look, this dreamer is coming. Come, therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit, and we shall say, Some wild beast has devoured him. We shall see what will become of his dreams. But Reuben heard it, and he delivered him out of their hands and said, Let us not kill him. And Reuben said to them, Shed no blood, but cast him into this pit, which is in the wilderness, and do not lay a hand on him, that he might deliver him out of their hands and bring him back to his father. So Reuben's intent was to rescue Joseph and save him, get him out of the pit later and take him back home to his daddy. So it came to pass when Joseph had come to his brothers that they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the tunic of many colors that was on him. Then they took him and cast him into a pit and the pit was empty. There was no water in it and they sat down to eat a meal. Then they lifted their eyes and looked and there was a company of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels bearing spices, balm and myrrh on their way to carry them down to Egypt. So Judah said to his brothers, what profit is there if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother in our flesh. And his brothers listened. Then the Midianite traders passed by. So the brothers pulled Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver, and they took Joseph to Egypt. Then Reuben returned to the pit, and indeed Joseph was not in the pit, and he tore his clothes. And he returned to his brothers and said, The lad is no more, and I, where shall I go? So they took Joseph's tunic, killed a kid of the goats, and dipped the tunic in the blood. Then they sent the tunic of many colors, and they brought it to their father and said, We have found this. Do you know whether it is your son's tunic or not? And he recognized it and said, It is my son's tunic. A wild beast has devoured him. Without doubt, Joseph is torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put sackcloth on his waist, and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and all his daughters arose to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. And he said, for I shall go down into the grave to my son in mourning. Thus his father wept for him. Now the Midianites had sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and captain of the guard. So now we find out the boys hated him so much they wanted to kill him. Reuben, the firstborn, intervened and saved his life. Notice how so much of this already is showing us Jesus, and at the end, I'd like to share with you a chart that I just put together of several ways where Joseph and Jesus are typified together here in some form. Even though Joseph's tribe was not the tribe that the line of Messiah would come from, there are some beautiful pictures of Jesus and his story even represented here in Joseph and what is happening to Joseph. Notice that in the account with Joseph here, Judah was his betrayer. And in Jesus' day, Judas Iscariot would be the betrayer of Jesus. Both of them would be sold for money. Joseph was sold for 20 pieces of silver. Jesus was sold for 30 pieces of silver, which is the price of a slave. And Jesus, we're told in Philippians chapter 2, humbled himself and obeyed his father's will even to the death on the cross. Joseph goes to Egypt. Note, he is the son that goes to Egypt, that is taken to Egypt. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 2, was a son taken to Egypt. In the prophet Hosea's writing in Hosea chapter 11, he speaks of how Jesus would be called out of Egypt. God's son would be called out of Egypt. Joseph had gone and was taken to Egypt as a type of Christ as well. And Jesus was taken to Egypt, but he was called out of Egypt in fulfillment of Hosea's prophecy. It's also interesting that when we, Come to the book of Exodus, in Exodus chapter 4, verse 22 and 23. God calls Israel his son as well in that passage. So it's another type of the son in the sense that Israel was designed to be a representation of God and a bringer of the Redeemer, the son of the living God, who would save the world. And so God is also referring to Israel the nation, as his son here, when he is telling Moses he would have to go before Pharaoh. Now, back in Genesis, we see the foreshadowing of Zechariah 12, 10 through 14, here, when Jacob hears about this tunic that is covered in blood, and he believes that his son is dead. He believes that Joseph is dead, has been destroyed and devoured by some beast, And so he is mourning for his son. In Zechariah 12, verse 10 through 14, we are told that Israel, the nation of Israel, will mourn, they will look upon Jesus, whom they have pierced, whom the world has pierced, both Jew and Gentile, they will look upon him, recognize him as their Messiah truthfully, and mourn for him as for an only son. I believe that this that happened with Jacob in his mourning for his son who he believed to be dead and gone forever is a prophetic type of this that will happen with the Jewish people as they mourn for Jesus who died on their behalf, the son of God that was pierced for them. And they will mourn for him as for an only son. It's talking about mourning then in repentance calling out to him and receiving him as their Messiah. This time of mourning in Jacob's life is prophetic of the tribulation and the Jews' repentance by the end when they will come to Jesus in sincere repentance. It is referencing, and I believe typology, of the time of Jacob's trouble, which is a reference to that tribulation time period toward the very end when Jesus will come in the second coming. So Joseph is taken to Egypt. Then he goes to Potiphar. He serves him very well. If you continue reading in the story, Genesis all the way through chapter 50 is where this whole story is encapsulated. Joseph serves Potiphar very well, becomes faithful over his house and placed second in command. The only thing kept from Joseph was his wife, which was legitimate and rightfully so. But the wife, lusts after Joseph, and the Bible says seduces him daily, daily tempting him, daily tempting him, but Joseph resisted every single time. Now, I want to point out something here about Joseph. Joseph had no family in Egypt. He had no church, if you will, no encouragement from people that knew the Lord along with him. He had no Bible. He was all alone, period. It was just him and the God of his fathers with him. Yet the character of God is very prominent inside of him. We see him serving faithfully. We see him resisting the temptation of Potiphar's wife. And I'm certain she was probably one that he could have easily fallen for. But God's character was at work in him. And he told her, how could I commit this sin against God? He saw it for what it was and he resisted. He had a relationship with God that was working in him, the character of God. And he was solid on the rock of of the Lord Jesus. He was falsely accused instead because she... Got mad because he resisted her. He fled. She had his coat. He gets falsely accused and thrown in prison. Yet, even in prison, God is with him, and he is faithful in his character, even when his circumstances changed for the worst. He's still faithful before the Almighty God, even when his circumstances worsened. What a lesson for all of us. He was true blue. He had a relationship with God, and he was true and faithful in it. What a what a testimony, and what a encouragement for us today. Then over time he gets promoted. He was promoted inside the prison to be over the prisoners, and there were two specific ones that happened to be put under his guardship, his guardianship: the butler and the baker. From Pharaoh's court. Both of them had troubling dreams in one night. It wasn't the same dream, but they had in the same night troubling dreams. So the butler's dream, Joseph interprets it, and the butler is going to be promoted back to be the cupbearer to Pharaoh again. So the baker tells Joseph his dream also, and I'm sure he was hoping for a nice, wonderful outcome and interpretation as well. But the baker, the dream that God had given to the baker was that he was going to be beheaded, and he did. Pharaoh called him, and he was beheaded in Pharaoh's court. Now, Joseph had told them, when you go back before Pharaoh, please remember me and put in a good word for me. But it was two full years later, and the butler had forgotten about his promise to Joseph. He had forgotten about Joseph in prison, who had interpreted his dreams. And so he had been serving the king's wine for two full years. Well, Pharaoh ends up having two dreams that are very troubling to him. And it was at that time when Pharaoh couldn't get the interpreters to tell him anything in his court. And the butler, God reminds the butler about Joseph. And the butler then realizes, "Uh uh-oh, I forgot. And I should have mentioned this earlier. So the butler tells Pharaoh about Joseph. Pharaoh calls Joseph. The Bible tells us he's 30 years old now. So we're talking about 13 years from the time we read about him in Genesis 37 and him having his dreams and going to visit his brothers and them catching him, throwing him in the pit, then selling him off to the Ishmaelites and him getting taken to Egypt. Thirteen years later now, the butler remembers Joseph and Joseph is called before Pharaoh and Joseph interprets the dreams. He tells Pharaoh, he says, you had two different dreams, but it's really one dream that God was giving you in meaning, but he gave it to you twice to establish it and to make sure you understood that this was a full, complete, confirmed message to you. God operates by the principle he established in Deuteronomy chapter 19, verse 15, when he said that it's on the mouth of two witnesses that any matter is established. You'll find that in Deuteronomy 17 and in Deuteronomy chapter 19, two different places. God will always confirm with the mouth of two or three witnesses, period. He operates by that standard. And so God gave him two different dreams to establish one meaning. I want us to read that in Genesis chapter 41. Let's read in Genesis chapter 41, verse 9 through 16, and then verse 25 and 26. Then the chief butler spoke to Pharaoh, saying, I remember my faults this day when Pharaoh was angry with his servants and put me in the custody of the house of the captain of the guard, both me and the chief baker. We each had a dream in one night, he and I. Each of us dreamed according to the interpretation of his own dream. Now there was a young Hebrew man with us there, a servant of the captain of the guard, and we told him, and he interpreted our dreams for us. To each man he interpreted according to his own dream. And it came to pass, just as he interpreted for us, so it happened. He restored me to my office, and he hanged him. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him quickly out of the dungeon, and he shaved, changed his clothing, and came to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream, and there is no one who can interpret it. But I have heard it said of you that you can understand a dream to interpret it. So Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Then let's go down to verse 25 and 26. Pharaoh tells Joseph the dream, and then in verse 25 it says this. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, The dreams of Pharaoh are one. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years. And the seven good heads are seven years. The dreams are one. And then he goes on and he interprets. And then he goes on and he interprets about these seven cows and these seven heads and and what's happening. And so he's telling Pharaoh that God has given him a dream And this dream, God gave it to him in two different ways to confirm the word of the dream. And it's all about these coming years of plenty and these coming years of severe famine. This is very important to understanding Jacob and his family and all of what God is orchestrating in this. So Joseph then gets promoted to the palace he is made second in command under Pharaoh only. Note, this is now 13 years after Joseph's original dreams at 17 years old, and approximately 13 years after coming to Egypt, it appears. He had been separated from his family, from his home, and from his land. And notice this time lapse. In Genesis 37, Joseph was 17 years old, thrown into the pit, and then sold off And then he's falsely accused, put into prison until he's about 28 years old when he first gives the butler and the baker their interpretation of his dream. Two years later, Joseph is now 30 years old when he goes to Pharaoh. God had given Pharaoh these two dreams that had one message. Very similarly, like he did in the book of Daniel, when Daniel would interpret dreams for Nebuchadnezzar and those in authority there. Dreams were also communicated to the Magi and to Joseph in Matthew, so God has used dreams in the past. Now, God always establishes this two witnesses principle, and he has confirmed these dreams for Pharaoh here by giving him two dreams that have one meaning. Now, in Genesis chapter 41, verses 45 through 52 we also read the account of where now Joseph will take a Gentile bride as would Jesus when he would come and make Jew and Gentile together into one new man, his bride. And this is pictured here with Joseph as well in Joseph taking this Gentile bride. And I believe the reason Jacob would bless Joseph's sons in Genesis chapter 48, and adopt them as his own, giving them inheritance along with the true bloodline of Jacob, is that they were to become equal heir with the Jewish people to the blessings of Abraham, and it is the same in the church, according to Paul in Galatians chapter 3 in the New Testament. This is a beautiful picture of Jesus here as well and what Christ will do for his bride, the church, as Joseph married a Gentile bride and then their children became part of Jacob's sons, adopted into the whole family and given tribal inheritance along with his brothers. Joseph's sons were named Manasseh meaning God made me to forget the toil and the struggle I've endured. And Ephraim means God made me fruitful in the land of my afflictions. And Jacob then in Genesis 48 delivers his fatherly blessing, so to speak, on these boys. This is very important because he adopted them in essence into his family and made them co-heirs, bringing them in to god's covenant blessings now here again notice joseph's age he's 30 years old when he's promoted then there are seven years of plenty where he is storing up food and grain so now joseph is 37 still has not seen his father still has not seen his brothers but according to the scriptures the famine begins to get really tight in israel in the land of israel And so for two full years, two years into this famine, the famine is very severe, very fast, and so his brothers get sent by Jacob to come to Egypt to buy food, because they hear that there's grain in Egypt. So they come, well Joseph recognizes them, but they don't recognize him at first. Remember now, he's been raised in Egypt, he's made second in command in Egypt, so he would look Egyptian. He would look like a part of them. They don't recognize him, but Joseph recognizes them. So he puts them to the test and he begins to accuse them and so forth. Now, he's testing them. And the brothers in Genesis 42, verse 21, we see their guilty conscience bothering them as they're enduring some of these things, consequences of some of their choices. Their conscience comes out and they begin to Wonder, oh boy, we're finally getting found out. God is finally dealing with us over what we did to our brother. They still don't know that their brother is standing in front of them, Joseph, as this Egyptian. So throughout this test, the boys get to go back home, but they had to leave one there with Joseph. Jacob's waiting for them to come back home, and they come back home. They tell Jacob what happened and everything, and the the Egyptian, they believe. Joseph to be, is telling them he wants them to bring the younger brother, because Joseph knows that that younger brother is his brother, Benjamin, his brother from the same mother, Rachel, and he wants to see Benjamin. So, two years into the famine, Jacob sends the brothers with Benjamin. Now, this was a very difficult decision for Jacob. He struggled with it, because he did not want Benjamin to die as well. He already felt like he had lost Joseph. And now Simeon had been kept in Egypt. He didn't know if he'd ever see Simeon again. And so now he's scared that he's going to lose Benjamin also and that he would be then put in his grave because he would have lost so many of his sons. But Jacob wrestles with this until finally he entrusts Benjamin to God. He says, I'm going to entrust him to God. And if I am bereaved, I am bereaved. He finally comes to that point where he just trusts the whole matter into God's hands. But I want us to see before the end of this lesson what God does in return. Now we see in this story also where Judah rises up and offers to be the surety for Benjamin. And he takes and pays and willingly offers the redemption price just like Jesus, who becomes our surety before the Father. Judah was the willing substitute here, as Jesus would be ours, and Jesus would, in fact, later come through the tribe of Judah. Joseph finally gets to see Benjamin and his brothers, and he gives to Benjamin five times more than all of the others, such grace he lavishes on him. Joseph comes to reveal himself to his brothers, and they are reconciled together. I want us to read the beauty of that in Genesis chapter 45, and we're going to read verses 5 through 11. But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. For these two years the famine has been in the land, and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house, and a ruler throughout all the land of egypt hurry and go up to my father and say to him thus says your son joseph god has made me lord of all egypt come down to me do not tarry you shall dwell in the land of goshen and you shall be near to me you and your children your children's children your flocks and your herds and all that you have there i will provide for you lest you and your household and all that you have come to poverty for there are still five years of famine. So Joseph reveals himself. He releases them. He says, I've already dealt with this before God. And I recognize now that God is the one in control who ordered everything and brought me here to preserve life and to preserve the Jewish people, God's chosen people, God's family in that day. And so Joseph comes to realize that he was sent ahead of them to provide for them. So Jacob comes to Egypt with all of his family, about 70 people. Notice this, Joseph now is between 39 and 40 years old. He has not seen his father in approximately 22 to 23 years. And he is reconciled with his family Joseph's original dreams from Genesis 37, when he was 17 years old, now are fulfilled about 20 to 22 years later, when both his brothers come and bow before him in the fact that he was appointed second in command in Egypt, and so do his father, his whole family. Those dreams were fulfilled in Joseph's life now, about 20 years later. And they're also typifying Jesus in a coming day, when Jesus would come in his first coming and later in his second coming. In Genesis chapter 46, verses 1 through 4, it says this, So Israel, meaning Jacob, took his journey with all that he had and came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices to the God of his father Isaac. Then God spoke to Israel in the visions of the night. Here we go again, another dream. God spoke to Israel in the visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, Here I am. So he, meaning God, said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not fear to go down to Egypt, for I will make of you a great nation there. I will go down with you to Egypt, and I will also surely bring you up again. And Joseph will put his hand on your eyes. So God again speaks to Jacob a special word a word of confirmation he promises him that they will grow to a mighty nation at this special well that isaac had dug this well of the oath beersheba note also that jacob has this other dream that god gives him speaking to him in a dream in the night he had had the dream of the ladder he had had the dream about speckled livestock he had had the dream perhaps that was with this wrestling man, even though we believe it was a real man, it was a real experience, it wasn't necessarily a dream. Now at 'er Beersheba, for the trip ahead, he is having this dream again. God is speaking to him through this dream, these visions of the night, to tell him, I'm sending you down there. I'm going to be with you. You're going to get to see Joseph again. And I'm going to be with you during your time down there. And I promise I'll bring y'all back. So there's the promise of the nation of Israel being formed, God growing his people and forming those that will later on receive the inheritance of the land. So God is at work, even through Egypt here. They come down with 70 people, and by the time they leave in the Exodus, it's approximately one to two million or more when the Exodus happens. So God is giving him comfort and a prophetic word that coincides with Hosea 11.1, where God will bring them out of Egypt, just like he would do for Jesus, his own son. Joseph's sons were born during the seven plenty years, it appears, so approximately somewhere between two and nine years old, when they meet their granddaddy Jacob for the first time. In Genesis chapter 48, Jacob meets Joseph's sons, and he blesses them. I want us to begin to close by looking at Hebrews chapter 11, Verse 21, by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning on the top of his staff. So Jacob is giving them these blessings. These two boys born to Joseph in the land of Egypt, who were both Jewish and Gentile from this Gentile bride that Joseph had taken. Jacob blesses them under the inspiration of God because in that blessing, Jacob even directs his hands under the inspiration of God to give the greater blessing to the younger child. Even though it didn't please Joseph, that was God ordained. Jacob himself had been the younger son to receive the greater blessing. He now knowingly by God's design gives it to Joseph's second born. He does it through the inspiration of God. God's character had been developed in Jacob and now he is going to share that and follow the leading of the Lord in blessing these boys. It's interesting that this is the Jewish blessing still to this day that's given over the boys and it comes from Genesis chapter 48 verse 20 in Jewish homes that bless their boys. In Genesis 47 we see where Jacob is now 130 years old When he has come from the land of Israel into Egypt, he's 130 years old when he comes and he appears before Pharaoh. Note this as we draw to a close. Jacob lives 17 years in the land of Egypt and he dies at 147. Joseph now would be probably about 56, 57 years old. Joseph's death we read about in Genesis chapter 50. Verse 15 through 26, Joseph dies at 110 years old later, and Joseph tells them, God's going to bring you out of Egypt one day, and when you do, you take my bones with you and bury me in the promised land. Joseph had faith to believe God's word. Joseph was 17 years old when he was separated from his father, and now God restores every one of those years, and he has 17 years with Jacob in the land of Goshen in Egypt. God gave them back every one of those 17 years. What absolutely beautiful pictures of Jesus, both in Joseph and in Judah, in this account of Joseph and Joseph's life and testimony. God is a restorer. And I just want to add this one final point and that is there are so many similarities in the account of joseph between joseph and jesus and i want to just run through a few of these very quickly both joseph and jesus were beloved of their fathers both were the son of the father joseph was the son of his father jacob jesus the son of god the father both of them were favored Both of them had a special garment. Joseph was granted by his father a garment of many colors. Jesus received a special garment. It's called his flesh, the veil of his flesh. And in giving him a body, as it says in Hebrews and as it says in Psalm 40, when it prophesies about him coming, he was given a body that was prepared for him a special garment that would cloak him and his beauty and his majesty. And we see a portion of that revealed to us in the transfiguration on the mountain of transfiguration when the veil of his flesh, so to speak, was peeled back and his glory shone through in that moment. Joseph was born into a family. Jesus was born into a family, into the family of humanity. Both of them were promised greatness, and we see that for Jesus also in Isaiah chapter 53 and Psalm 110, etc. All of these have scriptural annotations to bear. Both of them were promised to be served or bowed down before Jesus as well in Philippians chapter 2 verse 9 through 11. Both of them were rejected by their brothers, Jesus rejected by his people. In Second Peter 2, it speaks of where the prophet had said that and that he was the stone that would be rejected. But yet, he's the cornerstone. Both of them had humble beginnings. Both of them were betrayed by a friend or a brother. Je- Jesus was betrayed by Judas and Joseph was betrayed by Judah. Both of them were betrayed with a price. Joseph was betrayed with 20 pieces of silver. Jesus betrayed with 30 pieces of silver. Both of them were delivered to the Gentiles. Joseph was sold into Egypt. Jesus was delivered to Pontius Pilate and Herod for them to crucify him. Both of them were delivered by their family. Joseph was delivered by his family into the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. Jesus was delivered by the family of the house of Israel, those his brethren, he called them, because they were his people. They were Jewish. Both of them were taken to Egypt, Genesis 37 and Matthew chapter 2. Both of them were falsely accused. Both of them were sentenced and condemned as guilty. Both of them were humiliated. Both of them had God with them in their suffering. God granted deliverance to both of them. God accepted, rescued, and restored both of them. God raised both of them back to life, so to speak. Joseph didn't fully die in Egypt, but he was considered dead to his father and to his brethren back in the land of Israel. And in the pit that he was put in, he may have been humiliated and felt that his life was over. Jesus was literally raised back to life, Both of them were granted an exalted position. Both of them were exalted to second in command, you might say, because Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God now and has been given all authority and dominion. Joseph was given authority and dominion, second in command under Pharaoh. Both of them had the brothers brought to them. Joseph, his brothers were brought to him. Jesus, the Jews and Gentiles are brought to him by the Holy Spirit of the Living God and by the Word of God so that they can be saved. The brothers of both of them recognize him. Joseph's brothers finally came to recognize him. Jesus' brothers, the Jewish people, will finally come to recognize him as their Messiah. Both of them had the family reconciled. Joseph was reconciled with his family. Jesus Will be reconciled with all of his family in a coming day in his kingdom. Both of them had restored relationships. Joseph's relationship was restored with his brothers and with his father. Jesus will have a restored relationship with his people in a coming day. Both of them were reunited with the father. Joseph was reunited with his dad, Jacob. Jesus was reunited with his father after his resurrection. Both of them were blessed by the Father, as Jesus is also. Both of them took a Gentile bride, and both of them have sons born to them, both Jew and Gentile. Jacob had sons born into his family, and he adopted Joseph's, which were Gentile. So there was one family, Jew and Gentile, even in the story of Joseph, we see that. In the New Testament, in Hebrews chapter 2, it speaks of how Jesus the captain of our salvation, was made perfect and was bringing many sons to glory, representing the children of God, those who would believe in him, both Jew and Gentile, that would be brought into the family. Jew and Gentile were joined to one family in the story of Joseph and with Christ today. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 14 speaks of that, the Jew and the Gentile joined to one family. Both would inherit blessings, the Jew and the Gentile, sons of Jacob and sons of Joseph. Both inherit the blessing of Abraham, the Jew and the Gentile, according to Galatians chapter 3, all who believe in Jesus Christ. Favor was given to Joseph's family by those who were in control and by leadership in that land. Favor was given to Jesus' family, to those who are of the household of faith, of those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and are saved we are granted favor from God the Father hallelujah according to 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 worship or bowing down and serving was given to Joseph in Genesis 47 worship is given to Jesus by all in a coming day all every knee will bow his people worship him now but all will worship him in a coming day both of them came out of Egypt Joseph in Genesis chapter 50 his bones were to come out of Egypt and when the children of Israel left Egypt later in the exodus they carried Joseph's bones out of Egypt. Jesus came out of Egypt as was prophesied by Hosea in Hosea 11 1 and as recorded in Matthew chapter 2. Both of them were separated from their family early. Jesus was separated by his family He was forsaken by all by the time of his betrayal. Pharaoh's servants had dreams, and in three days his butler was restored. Jesus was three days in the earth in a prison, so to speak, and within three days he was resurrected to life again. There's so many ways in which these accounts are very similar, and we see symbolism, we see types and shadows of Jesus, just like the scripture tells us. That all of these things were types and shadows of the substance of Jesus Christ. Praise be to God. Jesus is seen in the Torah in so many places. The Lord Jesus is the faithful son represented in so many ways by Joseph in his life's account in Genesis. I pray that this has been a blessing to you. And Lord willing, you can join us again for more episodes in our volume of the book series. May the Lord richly bless you today in Jesus' name.